Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we have a very interesting case. It's very movie-like. I didn't write down a word today. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not still looking up cinnamon, c- cinnamons, c- synonyms <laughs> for, the word, for the word doozy. I forgot to. It was really stressful last time. I, to- I told you I read you some of the examples. I was like, this is not the type of word I'm looking for. No. <laughs> but... Well- we were just talking before we hit record that it's very movie-like, so I thought that was a good word. <laughs> I think that's a good word. That's a good word. Well, um, I don't have anything else to start us off with. Do you want to jump right into it, Sid? Yes. So, George Allen Smith IV was 26-year-old in 2005. He was from Connecticut, and in Connecticut, his parents and his father specifically owned a liquor store near Greenwich, Greenwich, called Coscob. This liquor store was a store that George had also frequently, I can't speak today, that George had also frequently helped run and manage um, throughout the years. In Late June of 2005, George had married Jennifer Hagel, and the next day they had headed to the airport for their honeymoon trip. The newlyweds' plan was that they were taking a cruise for their honeymoon, honeymoon and boarding their ship, the Brilliance of the Seas, in Barcelona. The ship itself had plenty for the couple to do, as there was a casino, a disco, lots of restaurants, and it had three pools. The ship was considered to be one of the largest of its time, basically, with 12 decks and housing 2,500 guests and 850 employees. The couple was located in stateroom 9062, which was a small, narrow room with some cabinets, uh, like a storage area, a couch, and a double bed, which was right next to a balcony. As the ship had sailed across the Mediterranean Sea, it seemed as if the couple were having this excellent time. They were enjoying their their time as newlyweds and were kind of just taking advantage of all the sights and everything that they could find themselves doing on the ship. On the second night on the ship, the partying for the newlyweds the partying from the newlyweds room kept their neighbor up basically all night until 3:30 a.m. Uh, the neighbor who had been staying next to them next to them was Cletus Hyman, and he made sure to let the guest service desk know basically that these kids were just being loud all night and yelling. And they said, okay, well, if you have any further issues, we will be sure to take care of them. Just something too important to note for the future. Keep this in mind, okay? Um, (laughs) The neighbors were very, uh, I don't want to say nosy, but I mean, they shared bordering walls in a in a cruise ship, so they heard a lot. <laughs> they were pissed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so just something to note. On their third day, the ship had docked in Italy, and the Smiths had taken a car 
with a man named Josh Askin, which was a 20-year-old who was traveling with his parents and two siblings and basically just remained friendly with the couple. And once they actually had even returned back to the ship, this was one of their buddies. There was another group on the ship that George and Jennifer had come in close contact with. Um, There were four Russian-American men, and they were traveling with their family, basically the Rosenberg family. And then there was another boy, Rusty Kaufman, who they were also close with. On their sixth night on board the ship... George and Jennifer had had to dinner, and then they went to the casino most of the night in the casino, spending time away from each other. So they're kind of doing their own things, wandering back and forth, making friends, talking to these people that they are with. Uh, Later that night, they headed to that disco, both Jennifer and George leaving very drunk, and headed back to their room. And that's when the tragedy starts to strike. Sometime before sunrise, George Smith had disappeared, assumingly that they had believed he had fell overboard into the sea. All that was found supporting this, though, was a single blood stain on, like, a canopy beneath their balcony. But I feel like there's still a lot of unanswered questions as to what happened there you can't just drop a bomb that somebody fell off of a canopy oh yeah (laughs) so I guess one thing that hits me with reading that and hearing about that was how close were George and Jennifer really so they've been married for like 10 to 11 days but is there something like sketchy with her what's their relationship I get that they're married but how did it come from that so the couple had actually met in 2002 We're in 2005 when George had fallen. Um, George and some friends lived in a rental home in Rhode Island, and they had had some issues with their bathroom, so they were sharing an upstairs bathroom with another tenant. Uh, One of the people in that upstairs uh, rental was Jennifer's brother. George had been very quiet about this relationship, but very after soon... very after they had gotten close with each other, him and Jennifer had become very serious and moved in together. Basically, just the perfect match. Okay, so what actually went down that night then that led to the point where George fell off the balcony? As previously mentioned, they had headed to dinner and then the casino. At the casino, the couple was doing their own things. So Jennifer was specifically playing blackjack, and George was actually teaching Josh Askins, um, the one that they had driven in Italy with, the game of craps. So there's reports that Jennifer was getting very close with another man named Lloyd Boda while they were in the casino. Even when they were leaving and headed to the casino, um, Josh Askins, that younger boy, had said that he felt um, this Lloyd Boda was definitely stepping over some professional boundaries. And it was awkward to just watch the relationship and how close that they were getting to each other. Once they left the casino and headed to the disco, they were joined by those Rosenberg boys, which was the other group of Um, men that they had become close with on the ship. 
they continued to drink and Jennifer was apparently draping herself over the other men, causing an argument between her and her new husband, which actually resulted in Jennifer kicking him in the groin and leaving very upset. And him him calling her a hussy before that. <laughs> which I was like, wow, what what a real romance here on your yes. honeymoon. This is what's going down. <laughs> this is true love. Um so this is where things start to become a little blurry. Jennifer claims to have no recollection after leaving this casino. Um and when the disco the disco had closed, the Rosenbergs and Josh Askins are said to have helped George back to his cabin as he was way too drunk and just couldn't walk himself. When he got to the cabin, Jennifer wasn't there, so then George became upset and was very adamant that he needed to find her. After he kind of briefly looked around, George was brought back to his room at 4.02 a.m., which was actually verified by that key card that you could scan into your room with. This was the last time that George had been seen alive, though. That neighbor that we had mentioned earlier, Cletus, um, who had previously complained about the noise, reported again that the night of his disappearance, he heard loud cheering and pounding through the wall, Uh, was turned into loud talking, and he claimed to have then heard voices in and out of the room as if someone was standing in the hallway. Uh, Later on, there was an argument on the balcony, and after this, hearing voices across the room leaving and words like he had thought that they said goodnight over and over again. Um, He's reported to have looked out that little peephole into the hallway and sees three males, but refuses to say who those three males he specifically saw are, other than that they were three of the suspects that were have believed and three of those men that were in that group that um, George and Jennifer had been hanging out with. Also, I'd like to add, according to the men who helped George back to his room, there was four of them. Josh Askin, the two Russian brothers, and their cousin, Rusty. Or Correct. they said it was his cousin. So there's four of them. And then according to... Um, it is conf- so, yeah. So, Cleet only saw three people leaving. It's confirmed by several people and footage that there were four men helping George to his room. And so, according to when they're th- later on, the statements that are given by Josh and Rusty and the other brothers or the brothers, they all say that there's four of them. So I just want to emphasize that because I think it's very interesting that the neighbor only saw three of them leaving. It's very interesting. I also thought it was like just weird that he was so adamant, like there the three suspects, like he releases to the police or. I think it was just, like, to the police, the three people that he's saying, but he won't tell anyone else, uh, the media or anything. These are specifically the three people that I saw that were in that group. Yeah. So he wouldn't name his suspects. He continued to listen through the walls, basically just being noisy, probably pissed off because it's late again and here these people are making all this noise. So he hears someone talking and moving items around as if they were almost kind of, like, cleaning or tidying up the area. And then the sound moves towards the balcony where he heard a chair moving and then a thud. He claims that this thud was so loud that it shook his bed. And then there was complete silence after that. He didn't hear any other noise. 
Um, it's also reported that Jennifer had taken a wrong turn on her walk back. So George had been going and looking for his new wife and was unable to locate her. And she claims that she had taken a wrong turn, fell asleep in a hallway near a maintenance store. And then the hotel basically ended up finding her and bringing her back to the room later. Also, I found this piece of information really interesting. At the time when Jennifer was found, it was outside of a crew-only room in the hallway, and it was only five rooms down from Josh Askin's room. Interesting. I knew it was a side of the ship of their room, her room. I knew it was a crew crew room, and I knew it was on like the opposite side, but I don't remember seeing that it was, um, you know, had a connection to one of those. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. (laughs) That was very interesting. So, Jennifer's attorney basically suggested that based on her actions of that night, she'd been drugged. And then when staff had actually brought her back to her room, she claimed that she wasn't worried because she didn't know where George was. And she said that George had actually slept outside their room another night. So, she just assumed that she'd see him later. Which to me is like a big red flag. Sorry, I just need to like let this out real quick. (laughs) You're on your honeymoon. You're on this cruise ship taking this wonderful trip. And it's not surprising that your new husband is not in the room at, I think my notes say according to the timeline, 4.47 a.m. is when she arrived back to the ship or to her room. So it's very confusing to me because I can't imagine being like, oh, that's normal. Like my new husband has slept multiple. This is now the second time. You know what I mean? He's not. Yeah. You're on a honeymoon. It's supposed to be spending time together. So I think that's like really weird to me personally. Definitely a red flag, especially if it's happening multiple times. I'm like, you gotta really be drinking pretty heavily. If you're just sleeping like just random ass spots in this. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? I no idea. So Jennifer continues on with her plans. She had a massage that morning, and upon arrival to that massage was when guests began to notice that there was a blood stain on the canopy that is below their stateroom, where it's claimed that George was to have fallen. There's no discovery of George, though. So Jennifer is interviewed. And then basically she returns home back to the States after a few days. So I guess another thing to note that happened on this, on the ship, after George had disappeared, was some drama with the Rosenberg boys and Rusty Kaufman. Um, It wasn't far from over on the ship. As days later, there was a woman that had claimed to have been a victim of rape committed by these boys. Although there's really no answers at this point, it just becomes a handful of people, all who have just serious suspicions um, and kind of targets on their back as to what happened to George. There is a lot of ideas as to what could have happened that night. Um, I think the first one that comes to mind, especially after the development with the neighbor Cletus, was that it's obviously a murder um, although there was no money or items that were missing from their stateroom. But Wait, did, 
sorry, I was going to say, which I think is important to note because multiple people reported hearing George brag about how much money and how much cash he had on the ship with him, like Mm -hmm. multiple other passengers, because he claimed to have like up to $50,000 in cash from like mostly wedding gifts. So I was like, oh, that's really interesting that you'd openly brag about that. So that was like motive in my mind. Like that could potentially be a motive. But like you said, there's no money missing. Yep. So that's very interesting um, because I think there was multiple reports that, you know, they were bragging. He was bragging about money. They both looked like they were very wealthy, like on the way that they presented themselves. Um, So for nothing to come up that was missing. I don't think that there'd be a reason for really necessarily the whole reason why someone would push him overboard like that would be to get the money and run. You'd imagine. Yeah. But not too sure on that theory. We'll come back to the theories in a minute. Another claim is that George may have gone to his balcony after everyone had left to smoke a cigar and he sat on the railing and fell off. It was reported when the detectives had come in the next day that there was a butt print on the railing in the dew that morning. That, to me, I feel like makes a little bit more sense of a claim. Well, and if they heard, like, a chair dragging, too, it could be, like, the chair to stand on it and sit up on it. Yeah. I I didn't write down, like, the dimensions, um, but I think, like, the railing was a little taller than, like, George's height, so, or, like, it was taller than what he would be able to get up to on his own, so, like, if there was that chair being dragged, it would make sense, but I didn't see anything about a chair being found on the balcony, so can't really comment on that, but I was gonna say, like, that would make sense to me. Yes, and they were definitely, like, higher railings, I think, for the aspect, so that you couldn't get up on them and fall off yeah I think that's Um, the whole purpose (laughs) exactly so George has gone missing this is going on for X amount of time um obviously Jennifer is going to come back to the states and try to just do whatever with her life move on with her life um when they had returned to the States, there's a lot of conflict between Jennifer and then George's parents, um, causing them to grow very estranged with money in the state and a settlement. Um, and basically, Jennifer had started to tell the media and kind of say through these lawsuits that she thought that George just fell overboard, which really created a lot of tension between his parents and her. His parents felt like he had to have been murdered and that there was something that was missing. You know, they had all these people that they came in contact with, um, all these people that had different reports, but it never really got linked to anyone. Yes, I think that's like the biggest part of the mystery of all of this is that there's so many conflicting reports of what happened. So it's really interesting. And when we get to theories, I'll point out some of the ones that I have conflicting reports of, too. <laughs> yeah. So Jennifer kind of just took her million dollar settlement with the Royal Caribbean Cruises in 2007 and just moved on with her life. She which remarried. Was like, which, for the record, is over a million dollars, correct? 
Yeah, it was a, mil- a million dollar settlement with the Royal Caribbean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so she took her she took her money and, and ran. Um, and I think his family tried to fight her on that to get some of that money, and I don't think they want any of it. I don't think so either. I think they did get a smaller claim, like from another settlement they came to, but it wasn't the Royal Caribbean Cruises one itself, where the major the majority of the money came from. It's fucked up. Yes. So she remarried. She lives in New York City. Um, lives with her husband and her two daughters there. And just basically kind of moved on from the tragic events. What happened on the ship happened on the ship. And as of today, there is no location as to where George's body is. They have thoughts um, of where in the Mediterranean he is. It was somewhere between, I believe, Turkey and Greece. But they have not recovered a body. And there's no actual reason or I guess, defined reason as to what happened to him on that night. This this case is so wild to me because there's so many different theories and outcomes. So first, I want to ask, have you ever been on a cruise? I have not been on a cruise. Okay, so I went when I was super little. My mom took more, my sister and I on a Disney cruise. And it was cool. I remember bits and pieces. First of all, those ships are freaking massive. There's like millions of things to do. We did mm-hmm. not have a balcony room, but I remember seeing balconies on the ship. So the railing is high. <laughs> and oh, yeah. that's and that's the whole point is to prevent people from accidentally going overboard or falling over. Especially on an adult cruise where there's like unlimited alcohol. <laughs> Oh, yeah, any sort of all-inclusive, like, it, they might as well just put, like, a whole jail cell up around your <laughs> balconies. You just, no one can get out. You can look, but you can't get over. Yeah, because they're trying to prevent all liability, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, one of the inconsistencies is that, so, Cletus and his wife were on one side of the Smiths. There was another couple on the other side, another older couple. Mm-hmm. They both report when like the chair was dragging and stuff like that. Cletus thought it was like some sort of like you you mentioned cleaning up or some sort of game or something. The other neighbors heard against their like adjoined wall. It sounded like furniture was being thrown against the wall. Uh... So at four thirty which is around the time that Jennifer was being found in a different location by crew members. This is when they heard that thud, right? And, like, right after that, they hear knocking on the door. And so what that knocking on the door was was Cletus actually had called security on a noise complaint for them when they had returned at around 4 because Mm -hmm. they were all really loud. You know, four men escorting George. They're all drunk. And it's 4 in the fucking morning. So... I guess the other neighbor, Greg Lawyer, he peeked his head out of the room and told security, like, hey, you better get in there. It sounds like someone's trashing that room. Like, it doesn't sound, it didn't sound good at all. And security kept knocking. There was no answer and there was silence from the room. So they left without further investigation. However, 
Jennifer was so drunk she wasn't able to get back to her room by herself. I've had to include this because they literally had to bring a wheelchair Mm -hmm. to her so they could escort her back. And it was like two staff members that took her back to the room. Her husband was not there. And according to those staff members, that room was not trashed when they took Jennifer back. So I thought that was really interesting, too. I don't know why I thought that was interesting, but I feel like (laughs) (laughs) it is interesting, like, I guess, to get the perspective, though, on both of the neighbors. So, yeah, because obviously there's multiple sides to every story. And even on this, there's a side to each side of the wall. Yeah. Um, So people are hearing different things. They're having different interpretations of what's going on in there. And then come to find out from the person that actually went in the room, you know, it wasn't trashed at all. So what was actually taking place during that time? Like, what were these people? What were the neighbors actually hearing? Exactly. So they never, like, the people that took her back there, like I said, no, like, the room wasn't trashed. There was no blood of any kind in the room. Mm -hmm. And then supposedly later on, there was some blood. But I saw, like, conflicting reports. Yeah, like, some on, like, um, a roll, like, a balled up tissue in the trash but according to Jennifer's lawyer that's been proven to be like her makeup or something like that oh. which I thought was interesting because I think you can look at the difference of dried blood on tissue and makeup and no but that's besides the point <laughs> um, also at like 4.30 when Jennifer was being found the Russians were in their room ordering room service Mm -hmm. Now, supposedly, all three are in the room. It was delivered around 445. And the reason there's proof, supposedly, is that they all have pictures of it on their phone because they claimed they were so impressed with the food and ordered a ridiculous amount of food. So it was, like, almost to me, like, they were creating an alibi. It seems that way. Like, they knew that they needed to be somewhere. And it could have been. I mean, only one person's going to order room for room service. There exactly. was only three people that were supposedly spotted. So did one of them go back and order food and then the others return to eat the food? Yeah, I have no idea. But I just wanted to note that because I'm like, hmm, that's weird. I also I think, like, one thing that really stuck out was, so when we post the pictures... You'll be able to see, but the canopy that had the blood on it, it's like a rather large, I guess you could say blood stain. Um, if George were to just climb up onto the balcony, um, onto that railing and fall off the railing, what would? I don't think there would be blood for anything unless he would have been hit with something. Like, he would have been needing to be bleeding. Yeah, and if I If you just hit a sorry. canopy. No, you're fine. No, I was going to say, I think that's a really good point because I forgot to make a note of this, so thank you. (laughs) Because I think one of the reports said it almost looked, like, very concentrated in one area. That, like, Mm -hmm. it was pulling as if there was a wound. And it was pulling up around that wound when his body hit the canopy. And so that's, like, a red flag. Like, I don't think he would have just smacked it and been bleeding and rolled over you know what I mean I think absolutely if he went overboard and fell off the railing he potentially could be sitting up there very drunk oh yeah 
fallen over. I mean, I don't know if you remember the show A Thousand Ways to Die, but I've seen people die from dumbass shit. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not ruling that out as it's not possible, but I don't think that there would be a mass amount of blood on the canopy, like you said, if he just fell off. No, I think that there'd be it'd be very little, if any, just because, you know, the canopy is not a heavy, a hard object. It's just it's almost like I'm picturing like a trampoline where he just kind of like bounce a little bit like there's not going to be like blood off of that um, or a major wound off of that. He would have have hit something prior to falling onto the canopy or been injured prior to falling onto the canopy. Yeah. And then. The only other uh, interesting piece I have here is Josh Askin, who was one of those other four guys that helped escort George back to his room. He didn't swipe into his room until about 5.15. So Mm -hmm. Jennifer got back to her room at 4.47. So, one, the casino's closed, the disco's closed. Where the fuck are you? From when you supposedly left over an hour before from George's room. Thought Mm -hmm. that was weird. And also, when he was interviewed, so his dad supposedly took a recording of it. And his dad, like, recorded it on his phone because the they arrived in Turkey and the Turkish police were the ones doing the interviews and everything. And his father is, like, a doctor, and they were on the ship celebrating his parents, like, anniversary or something like that with his family. So his father took recorded the interview just in case, and they have all, they were also filing a lawsuit at one point in time. I, didn't, I have not seen anything about a settlement. I thought it was dropped, mm-hmm. but they tried to file a lawsuit against Royal Caribbean for violating his rights, for holding him and having him like interviewed which I don't think is a violation of your rights when you were one of the last confirmed people but supposedly the footage in that video he is like extremely defensive of George's wife Jennifer and to me I thought that was really interesting because every report was that he was super defensive with her and he got like super close with her more than George Hmm. And so one thing I also read, I don't remember where, but it basically said, like, her flirting with people on the ship in front of him, this was, like, an issue before they even got married. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I just thought that was important to include because I honestly don't have an answer. I think there's a million theories of what could have happened. But to say that Josh isn't a suspect would be, like ridiculous in my mind because I think he could be and I don't know if it's linked to Jennifer or not but whatever it is it's yeah, suspicious <laughs> very suspicious and there's a lot of I mean you gotta think if the boat itself could hold you know 2,500 passengers and 850 employees like there's a lot of other people that could have had some sort of link and maybe they're looking at the wrong people but oh, yeah. the relationships that they had, like, built with these guys in a matter of, like, six days, I mean, this isn't someone that actually really gives a fuck about them. These are just random people that they met in the boat. Yeah. Well, and I also heard that the investigation 
I heard, I read <laughs> that the investigation was pretty lacking. Basically, mm-hmm. they had arrived in Turkey a couple hours, like at 6 a.m. or something like that. And, you know, by 8.30, that's when they started realizing and noticing that blood spot and noticing someone was missing. They never, like, secured the boat. People were already offshore onto Turkey when they started doing everything. The Turkish police were only on board investigating and questioning for about two hours before they were rushed off the boat so the boat could continue on its path, which I thought was, like, pretty fucking wild. Yeah. And then it did say that Jennifer did take a lie detector test in Turkey and passed. But I I don't know anything about that. I didn't see anything more on that. Now, my other information that I have, have you seen anything else about the brothers since this case besides the rape accusation? Not since this case, no. Okay, listen, I've got some shit and I don't know how I found it. Oh my gosh. I, I just started Googling these brothers hoping something would come up. So in 2012, so mind you, this happened in 2005. In 2012, a video surfaced showing the brothers and their cousin talking. And in the video, they're talking about George's death. And they're being very cold about it. They don't say anything. They're just being very cold. Like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. That guy fell overboard. That guy went missing, whatever. At the end, one of the brothers... Greg Rosenberg literally says, oh, and you guys said I wasn't gangster. How am I? Or I bet I'm gangster now or some shit like that. So everyone was like, oh, that's fucking suspicious because like you're literally talking about someone's death and then you're going to bring up you being gangster. Weird. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So he Greg was living in Florida. And he was actually murdered outside of his home in Davie, Florida, in December of 2019. So, not that long ago, he had returned home from Christmas shopping, was sitting in his car in his driveway, and was basically ambushed, shot multiple times. Uh, Drivers, well, whoever shot him ran off, but there's video footage of a truck speeding off. However, as of right now... The last update I found was a couple of months ago, and it's still unsolved. But police are thinking that there may be a connection because he wasn't robbed. He had cash and credit cards on him, and his car was full of, like, Christmas gifts. It was very clearly, like, a targeted hit. And so they're trying to figure out why. However, he was a very shady, shady person. He, like, had arrest records for a DUI, and I want to say, oh, multiple arrests for drugs. So he's definitely done time in jail for it, before and after this cruise. So they aren't really sure 100% that it's linked, but it could be. (laughs) That's crazy. Or that's just some real bad karma. Yeah, (laughs) right? I mean, even if, like... Even if he wasn't the person that did it, but 
you know, he was caught saying, talking about it, and then gets killed in, like, a very similar fashion and disappears. Yeah. It was, it was weird. I don't know. There's a lot of, that's, that's very odd. And there's a lot of things with this that it's, like, it just makes your, makes your mind just run in circles and, like, makes you really think because it's, like, one of those things like we don't have a body we don't know what happened that night we know very minimal what happened that night everyone has a different story yeah like jennifer was so intoxicated she doesn't know what happened like maybe she does know but it's just she was so blacked out she doesn't know remember yeah and as you said there's so many different stories i don't think anyone will truly ever know what would happen what happened unless there's like one of those crazy deathbed confessions because his body hasn't been found. There's very minimal evidence. There's really nothing to go off of to connect it. The FBI was involved at one point in time, but they actually ended up closing the case too. Mm -hmm. And just declaring it like, not that it's closed, closed, but they just basically said they they don't have anything else to pursue. And as of right now, it's still an open investigation. If someone wants to work on it, it's they have that ability, but they aren't dedicating a team to it anymore. Which is very interesting. And there's always that off chance, too. I mean, there's a chance that it was a murder, but there's also a very high chance it was just an accident and that no one else was involved. Um yeah. Which, really, the only person that would know what happened then is George. Yeah. Well, and you gotta think. He's so intoxicated, he needs his four friends to help him to the room. Jennifer's so intoxicated, she passes out. She's blackout drunk in the hallway somewhere on the other side of the ship. Mm -hmm. It could all be coincidence. We really don't know. But that's why it's so interesting, right? (laughs) Yes, like, that's why it's just you notice every little thing because nobody knows and I don't know it's fucks with your head Peyton it fucks with your head oh yeah I just want everyone to know that for days I've been telling Sydney oh I can't wait to talk about these theories because (laughs) there are so many there are literally so many it could be one of the Russian brothers or cousin it could be Josh that had something to do with it whether it had to do with Jennifer or not we really don't know it could be an accident and it could be someone completely unknown mm-hmm. so completely random we like we really just don't have any answers and I think like for me when I first started listening to like podcasts or following a lot of true crime stories the unsolved cases or like the disappearances are I hated them at first like they they're like really hard to listen to and now those are the ones I'm like most fascinated by because there's millions of different options <laughs> yes and i think and most of them too i mean as terrible as it is terrible as it is there's so many cases out there that stay unsolved and never get solved so it's like you can kind of come up with a lot of these theories and like thoughts as to what happened and just like throw them in the blank spots because yeah, no one's going to know. No one, a lot of these stay unsolved. Listen, one of like if I had one of those 
if you could solve any crime or know what happened to any crime, what would it be? My answer every time is an unsolved disappearance. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I already know which case I'd want the answer to. <laughs> and it's, remember we talked about, like, the Brian Schaefer case, like, you and I on oh our own. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mine's very similar to that. It's the Bryceless Pizza case. Like, that's one that I'm always, oh, like, Googling. You've sent I'm, me that one, too. <laughs> Like, every time there's a possible sighting linked to him, I'm like, oh, my God, is he still alive? <laughs> so, I mean, I get it because in this case, I mean, let's be honest, we know George isn't alive. If he went over in the middle of the ocean, there's, like, very little chance he's alive unless this is, like, freaking the Outer Banks. That's I literally <laughs> what I was thinking. That's literally what I was thinking. He has swam to some island. Don't know. mm <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna think it, so I had to say it first. <laughs> I hate it here. But yeah, I just it's very interesting. If you guys follow us on social media, look at the pictures, tell us what you think because there's so many different options and answers and theories. <laughs> yeah, there's probably even more theories that like we didn't even touch on that are out there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> just random people out there with all these crazy thoughts that they're throwing on the internet (laughs) yeah I will say before we wrap it up I just um I have one little note that I thought was something good that came out of this case so if we ever find something like that I always like to share so because of George's disappearance there has been a wider interest in passenger rights this actually caused the Cruise Lines International Association to introduce a Bill of Rights in 2013 that, in their quote, codifies many long-standing practices of CLIA members and goes beyond those to further inform cruise guests of the industry's commitment to their comfort and care. Don't necessarily know what that means, <laughs> but it <laughs> sounds like it's just a kind of improve their practices like I'm guessing if something's missing or someone's missing or something happens and then also in 2013 George's parents actually supported a bill with a couple other senators it's called the cruise ship passenger protection act it was passed and it allowed for greater transparency when crimes are committed on cruise ships and more federal government protection of passengers rights essentially one of their biggest issues was that the FBI wasn't involved right away. It was more mm. of like the Turkish officials. And so it wasn't handled properly how it should be if it's a U.S. ship. And obviously it came from Bar- like they boarded in Barcelona. So it's a little different, but it was an American citizen. So they believe the FBI should have been involved. And now this bill has been passed that should help that. Those are both those are both very good things. Yes. So at least there's something good, right? Yes. There is <laughs> definitely something good. Well, that's all I got. Do you have anything else to add? <laughs> uh no, not I don't think I do on this. Sweet. Wanna hit me with a joke and a fact? Yes. What do you want first? Let's do fact first. We'll end on a joke. All right. So, on average, Americans consume 
185,000 margaritas an hour. An hour? <laughs> yes. So, like, that, that's how many, how many margs are getting drank an hour in America. Holy shit. <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if that's, like, around the clock, though. Like, <laughs> I'm sure hours. it's just, like, an average number based off of everything, like, the <laughs> intake. But that's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. We're over here drinking margs nonstop. <laughs> Apparently. 24 hours a day. Well, that's what I want to be doing. But life responsibilities. <laughs> when I can retire, I'm going to see if I can drink 185,000. Oh, well, I think you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> we can still try. At least at your funeral, I'll say, at least she went out the w- doing what she loves. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. So I got a joke too. Okay. Cool. What Tex-Mex food is good at math? What? Enchiladas. Okay, <laughs> I was really trying to think hard on that one to guess. Enchiladas. <laughs> I would not have guessed that one. That was good. You got me. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll have to bring an audience back on so I can get a whole reaction again. I'm I was sorry. Re- I was really thriving in that moment. <laughs> well, uh, we'll need some more guest appearances soon, I guess. I think so. So you guys should uh, reach out and let us know. Yeah, you can uh, reach out on Facebook, Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. Um, you can also interact with us on TikTok, but you know, I'm gonna be real honest. It's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> Don't even get me fucking started. That's what I have to do after this. I'm gonna lose my goddamn mind. I'm, you know, my goal is to get more videos up there, people. Just bear with us because it's a lot fucking harder than we expected. Yes, yes. It Maybe is. I'm just dumb, but. <laughs> No, I don't think you're dumb. I think it's really hard. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know how people be doing those. <laughs> well, there we have multiple outlets you guys can find us on. And you can also reach out on our website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Yes. It's, it's got all our information there. And it also has, like, a contact sheet so you can recommend stories you can uh give us suggestions on getting better (laughs) if there's something you'd like us to do please tell us yeah or if you want to give us a compliment you can also do it on apple podcast review that would be great (laughs) yes you should definitely throw all the reviews out there if you're listening and you haven't done a review yet i'm looking at you Facts. We are looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> it takes two seconds to hit the stars. Yeah, I had to lecture my boyfriend because he also didn't give us a review for a long time. 
So that's where we're at now. <laughs> yep. Well, that's all I've got. I don't have anything either. Awesome. Well, I guess you guys have a good rest of your day, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Ha 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 ha!